Welcome to the Poetry on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, red letter basics, examining the Word of God, following the example of the Book of Acts Church. Poetry Online Bible Study was created to take a deeper look at how the early church served the Lord so that we can do the same things the same way with the same effect. Restoring the priesthood of the believer and regaining that world-shaking influence that the early church had. And we do that by not filtering it down, not watering it down, taking it as it was written. Because we believe the church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost, which is coming up this weekend, is ongoing. The fire still falls. Yes, we are celebrating it in the coming weekend, but it's never stopped. As long as the church is here and as long as the Holy Spirit is here, the fire still moves from the throne room to us and from us to others. The Porch is an outreach of Solomon's Porch, Inc. Go to onsolomonsporch.org, or you can just go to firefalltalkradio.com. You can contact us there. There are ways to support us. Go to the bottom of the page. Make sure you bookmark your Spreaker site for Firefall Talk Radio. We appreciate your support and your encouragement for all of you out there that do support us. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. And... Uh, Make sure you keep track of what we're doing. I'll tell you one thing we're doing. We are seven weeks away from our meeting in Orlando, Saturday, July 27th. Come in Friday. If you're staying overnight, you can play in the parks in the morning. Get there early enough on Friday. You can do it. Check in. $79 plus tax a night at a time when that room is worth two to three times that amount. And if you don't book your room before July 5th, you will not get that rate. So call the Rosen Inn, Point Orlando, 9000 International Drive, Orlando, Florida, 800-999-8585. Tell them you come into the C-Conference, booking ID 68136. And after July 5th, it's based upon availability, and I've already researched it. You will not get that price and you may not get a room in that hotel for anything affordable. So book it now. If you think you're coming, you can reserve it. All you have to do is cancel it um, within the time frame that they give you. If you are coming, let us know. Go to firefallmediagroup.com or facebook.com forward slash firefallmediagroup. Or you can just email us at firefallmediagroup at gmail.com and say, save me a seat. I'm coming to the seat conference. We're praying that everyone who's supposed to be there is there, that the remnant shows up to get prepared for the days ahead. If you want to invite people, do so. It's free to get in. We will take a love offering um, during at the end of each session. Session 1 is 2 to 5. Session 2 is 7 to 10. Hope to see you there. Starting out, praise reports and prayer requests. Well, of course, I praise the Lord for my salvation And because of that salvation, I got my wife back, and I got my family back, and we have a home, and we have two sons, two daughter-in-laws, one grandchild, and multiple furry grandkids, including our two furry kids. And I praise the Lord for all of them. They are our family, and we love them, especially that grandson of ours. I praise him for his protection. I praise him for the ministry he lets me work, for the dreams and the visions, for the healing virtues. You know, he heals hearts, too. He heals relationships, but he also still heals our bodies. So I praise him for that. I praise him that I can get up and praise him that I live in a country that I don't live in fear about doing that, for being a new creation, living in these exciting prophetic end times. Yes, I said end times. Then that means I praise him for America. Oh, we have our problems. We certainly do. But I believe we're better than any place else in the world. I praise him for the signs and the indications that he is getting ready to return. The king is coming back. So let's get ready. Praise him for his favor and the revelation and everything he reveals to us in regards to these times and to the enemy's attack and just giving the Holy Spirit to us so that he can keep us awake and alert. Now we get to the prayers. Of course, I always pray for the Middle East. I pray for Israel and the peace of Jerusalem, which means I am praying for the 
return of the Prince of Peace, that Messiah would split the sky and our Jewish and brothers and sisters who aren't already Messianic believers would become so. I pray for the fatherless, the widows, the innocents in and out of the womb, and all of the victims of injustice. You know, we have brothers and sisters around the world being slaughtered and persecuted for their faith. I pray against the slaughter of the innocents here in America. Some days I have Oh, I am overwhelmed by the debauchery and the evilness with which Hasatan and the fallen have convinced mankind to kill babies. Prayer for the persecution and the anti-Semitism and for those that are being victimized by the enemy through sex trafficking and other ugly things. If we are not in the onset of the days of Noah, I don't know what I'm talking about. I pray for divine wholeness, health, and healing for all of us. Let's get back to our divine design. I know you hear me say that, but I'm not sure you understand what I mean, and I will be discussing that at the Sea Conference on July 27th to get you to understand your divine design so that you can walk in the fullness of who you are in him here and now. I pray for healing for all of us that are sick, injured. We just need a divine touch. We need the touch and the healing virtues of God. I pray for inspiration, for the remnant to wake up, to rise up, answer the call to action, and for those who have been blessed to be a blessing. I pray that the floodgates would open. For us, for SRT, for Firefall, for the porch, and that we can go out and do what we have been designed and called to do. So let's prosper in accordance with his word. Let's be conduits of his blessings. Continue to pray for healing and restoration for my wife, Deb, here in Orlando. We also have an unspoken prayer request about a legal matter. Um, Sally's wife in North Florida getting better, but still a lot of pain, so don't stop praying for her. Stacy in Texas, unspoken prayer request for her and her family. Make sure you keep praying for her. Kim in Fort Mitchell mentions feeling a, a weird heaviness in her heart and spirit. Well, Kim, you're not the only one. You're picking up on what's going on out there. She said, but I am calm, thought, thoughtful, and I pray a lot in my spirit. I am grateful for this relationship with God that I have, and it makes me feel safe and protected. Grateful for Jesus, my Savior, and for living a sober life. She's thankful for her children, for her friend Stacy, her dog Bruno, this ministry, and for providing for us what we need every day. Grateful for the roof overhead and the food on her table. She says there's bad weather coming, so please pray for them. Keep them safe. Praying, Father, please protect my children, deliver our hearts and spirits, turn our minds so it really matters and not to this world. Asking for prayer for her dog, Bruno. They've had some issues with snakes, and she followed some guidelines on the Internet. I saw them about mothballs keeping snakes away. Well, Bruno, her dog, found one, ate it, and has not been feeling well. So hopefully this will pass, literally. Um, I said that, not her. She's asking Father to keep her focused on him. So much distraction, so much hurt, pain, and dysfunction. Heal us, deliver us, and save our souls. Praying for my friend Stacy and her children as well as her mom and my mom. Kim's praying for her husband's soul. You know, when I was um, demon-possessed, unsaved, and walked out of my family, one night my wife had a visitation from the Lord and renewed her relationship with him. And he inspired her to pray. For, stop praying for the marriage and start praying for my soul. So... I believe that the restoration of a marriage has to start with the salvation of the individual that has wandered away. Praying for the enemy to flee so that her light shines so bright that it blinds him. Praying for permanent financial breakthrough for my children and I. Father, provide for us. Favor us and bless us so that we can keep shining in Jesus' name. Excuse me. Father, we love you. We cannot come to you without thanksgiving and praise. You are Abba Father, Papa God, Daddy. We are grateful. And we just 
are so blessed to be your children. We're blessed by Yeshua and what you asked him to do for us, paying our debts. Sin demands a blood sacrifice, and he gave it all, every drop, every drop shed for us on the cross on Calvary. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for enduring that pain and the shame and everything they did to you that day for us. And thank you for rising again from the grave. You are not a dead prophet. You are a living Messiah. And for sending back the Holy Spirit to walk with us and to comfort us and counsel us and educate us and remind us of everything you said and everything that you did. So, Holy Spirit, we thank you right now. We ask for you to touch us as we clear our minds, preparing to receive this word, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Messiah, casting down every vain imagination that would exalt itself above the knowledge and the person of El Elyon, God Most High, our Father. There is nothing greater than you. There is no God above you. You are the great God over all the earth. We thank you that the enemy is bound and defeated this night. So let the word go forth. Let your spirit move. And Holy Spirit, have your way. And I just pray these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. These lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So for many weeks, we've been talking about walking in the Spirit, and the enemy knows that the fullness of the Holy Spirit's presence, the manifestation of the gifts and the fruit, would inspire us, empower us, and drive us to be as the Book of Acts church was. But without that, what we are is a dead body of dead body parts decaying and deteriorating with no influence on the world whatsoever. Without that thriving, driving presence, without the fire of the Holy Spirit, we are a dead church. We are a zombie church. We are literally the walking dead. And isn't it amazing because that's what the people caught in sin who are dying, who have no hope for a future, they're the walking dead. We were supposed to be bringing life to them. But see, the Spirit brings life. The enemy wants death. The Spirit brings light. The enemy wants darkness. The Spirit brings love, and the enemy wants hatred. And the Spirit brings compassion. And the enemy wants cold-heartedness. It wants indifference. It doesn't want you to care about somebody else. That's what we're talking about tonight. Kingdom of God, compassion. Now, if you remember last week, I shared with you a segment of Matthew 24. I want to start out again, but this time with the amplified version. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, There'll be famines and earthquakes in place after place. All this is but the beginning of the early pains of the birth pangs of intolerable anguish. And then they will hand you over to suffer affliction and tribulation and put you to death. And you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Then many will be offended and repelled and will begin to distrust and desert him whom they sought to trust and obey, and will stumble and fall away, and betray one another and pursue one another with hatred. And many false prophets will rise up and deceive and lead many into error. And the love of the great body of people will grow cold because of the multiplied lawlessness and iniquity, sin, isn't it amazing the order of things hated, persecuted, 
the apostasy, the falling away, false prophets rising up and deceiving, deceiving people into error, which then leads to a lovelessness, people not loving one another, not loving God. And that is increased and multiplied because of lawlessness, which is sin, iniquity, which is inbred sin. So the coldness we're seeing in the world right now, we're actually, by the way, seeing all of that in the world at the moment. It is a war of the Spirit in the Spirit. It is a fight for the very nature of the Lord, for the sick, the lost, and the dying. So before we get into compassion, let's kind of, we're not recapping what I said about love, but we're going to build off of it. 1 Corinthians 13, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal, which means I've become a stage performer or temple prostitute. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, And though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. It's not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. We know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, and he's speaking about the return of Yeshua, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. And now abide in faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. So why is love the greatest of these things? Because it's only distributed by the Holy Spirit. It is the key component of the kingdom of God. The kind of love that Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians 13, though we use that at marriage ceremonies, he's not speaking about an earthly love. He's speaking about a heavenly love. He's speaking about a Holy Spirit-inspired-in-your-heart kind of love. His love inspires the rapture of the church and the return of the Lord to get his children out of here and then to stop the earth from being destroyed by the fallen and putting it back to the way it was meant to be. But you know, before we can love others, we must love him first. 1 John 4, starting verse 17, Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. He's talking about the torment of the final judgment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen How can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him. Commandment we have from him. That he who loves God must love his brother also. See, this kind of love, the love that inspired him to let them execute him on the cross, the love that inspired him to be the sacrificial lamb, the love that inspired him to do everything he did while on the earth inspired compassion as a response. See, if you have that kind of love, you're going to have compassion for others. 
And we see it throughout the Bible. We see it throughout the New Testament. And I'm going to try to cover as much of that as I can. There's so much of it, and I have so many pages of it, I'm not sure I'll be able to get to it all. Because in everything he said or did, there was a tangible moment that compassion was the letter of the day. It was the rule of the day. It was what was making him do what he did. Matthew 9, starting verse 35. Then Yeshua went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, The harvest is Truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And, of course, he's talking about an end-time harvest. But the fact is, they are few. Those that have that kind of heart are few. Healing was the core of his ministry. And the ministry he commanded us to pick up. His miracles were documented by eyewitnesses in the four gospel. Thirty-seven miracles of Yeshua are listed with Mark's gospel recording the most. And you know Mark's gospel is Peter's account. But it's not even all of them. There's a part of John that some people seem to forget. It's the end of John, chapter 21, verses 24 and 25. This is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Yeshua did. But if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. That means not every miracle was written down. The Holy Spirit inspired them to record the ones that we needed to know that were examples of his ministry so that we could be inspired by it and follow it. But you see, the Pharisees, who were the religious teachers of the day and rulers, and then you have the Sadducees, the scribes, the ones who kept the law, and the difference between the two is the Pharisees believed in a resurrection. They believed in the supernatural. The Sadducees were eggheads. They did not believe in the supernatural at all. They were negligent in caring for the flock because of their self-centeredness. They had no compassion. And you know, self-centered, uncompassionate leaders tend to be very religious. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. That's Matthew 23, 13. Religion is not the answer. Relationship is. And if I have a relationship with him, I will do what he asked me to do out of love, not out of fearful obligation. That's the law. See, Yeshua, the Lord, Adonai, is the inspiration for relationship. Inspiration for a relationship with him, with the Father, and then with the flock, with one another. Matthew presented Yeshua as a Messiah who teaches, preaches, heals, casts out demons, calls for a decisive response of faith. You know, and everything I wrote down today, wrote down, typed down, everything I set aside to share with you, I saw faith in action. I saw love in action. I didn't see him sitting and talking and teaching. Oh, yes, he did that. But all of that inspired something. It created a reaction. When the harvest begins at the end, that is the beginning of the Messianic age the true messianic kingdom age. And for the lost, those that have not made him Lord of their life, it is doom. But for the redeemed, it's a blessing. 
But see, his love and his passion and his concern for each and everybody caused him to stay on the go, building four walls and cushy seats for people to put their spiritual connections to has caused the church to become stagnant, has caused us to sit down on the job. Well, Yeshua went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of disease among the people. And then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who demon-possessed epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Matthew four twenty three and 24. You notice that the presence of Yeshua and the preaching of the gospel, healing happened. Demons were cast out. Supernatural events took place. Signs and wonders follow the word. You see, it takes compassion to do that. You can't do what I'm talking about if you don't care about people. According to Vine's Expository Dictionary of Old Testament, New Testament words, compassion, to be moved as to one's inwards, to be moved with compassion, to yearn with compassion, is specifically recorded the most about Messiah and his feelings towards the multitude and individual sufferers. The actual literal definition from Dictionary.com for compassion is a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune, accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. See, that's what it was all about. That's what the Book of Church did. The, oh, they moved in power, signs and wonders. They did. But they were inspired by the compassion that the Holy Spirit stirred up in them through his fire in their hearts. If you're struggling with this concept, stop praying for compassion and pray for more of the Holy Spirit. Pray for more of the nature of Yeshua in your heart and your mind. Ask him to begin to show you others with his eyes. When you see people through the eyes of the Lord, there are times it will break your heart. There are times that it will cause you to weep and wail and intercede. When you, when you see what Hasatan and the fallen and their demonic offspring have done in this world, have done to this world. Oh, yes, you get frustrated. Yes, you get angry. But eventually it leads to having a broken heart for what they're doing. I see the pictures of the babies after the abortion. I see them on social media as the battle rages between both sides. And it grieves my heart. I see what people are doing to animals, dogs, and cats, and horses, and their lack of love and concern for them as living beings, and it breaks my heart. I see for what's going on with abused children and and drug addiction and sex trafficking and, and just the depraved, debauched nature of this world, and it breaks my heart. My wife can tell you there'll be times I'll sit there and I'll just blurt out, Lord, have we had enough yet? Can you please come back? But see, that's what the Lord was all about. It was about that compassion. And he was trying to get it across to anybody that would listen. We see that in Luke chapter 10, starting with verse 25 when a certain lawyer, certain scribe, certain Sadducee, stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? And so the lawyer answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Yeshua said to him, You have answered rightly, do this, and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he said to Yeshua, And who is my neighbor? And Yeshua answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down the road, 
and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him, and bandaged his wounds, and pouring oil and wine, he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, and he gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And the lawyer said, He who showed mercy on him. And Yeshua said, Go and do likewise. You see, compassion inspires mercy. It inspires us to do something about the condition we see that individual individuals in. We can't just say, oh, I'll, I'll pray for you. I, I look at these things and I see the needs and, and there's only so much I can do. But I pray that the Lord would bless me beyond measure, pressed down, shaken together, pouring over into my bosom so that if I held up my shirt or, or I held it up to catch it, it would still spill over. It'd be so great so that I could help them. Compassion is what drove him from town to town to preach the gospel of the kingdom. As you sit where you are listening right now, If being compassionate were a crime, is there enough evidence to convict you? See, if you're going to tell me you're a believer, and I say to you, do you have compassion, it should be an automatic yes. I shouldn't be struggling with this. Because the Lord was compassionate upon you. When you were a sinner, he forgave you. See, to whom much is given, much is required, and he who has been forgiven much loves much, and I know what I was forgiven for. Therefore, I am inspired to love much. Now, that doesn't mean I don't get frustrated with people and with situations. That doesn't mean that there are times I forget who I am in Yeshua. But the Holy Spirit always reminds me. And I may get flustered, and I may voice my frustration, but I will always go back towards forgiveness. I will always go back towards compassion. When Yeshua heard about the death of John the Baptist, he departed from where he was by boat to a deserted place by himself. I'm in Matthew 14. And when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. When you have a word of life, when you have something to say, people want to hear it. And they want to hear what he had to say. And when Yeshua went out and he saw a great multitude, he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Yeshua said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, Lord, we, we have here only five loaves and two fish. Bring them here to me, he said. And then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitudes, so that they all ate and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men beside women and children. I pray for that kind of compassion, a compassion that so flows from the throne room, you can take five loaves of bread and two fish and feed 5,000 men and possibly another couple thousand women and children. Compassion means meeting a need. And this happened multiple times, and I believe that they're all separate occasions. Matthew 15 tells about another story. He calls the disciples to himself, 
says, I have compassion on the multitude because they've continued with me for three days and have nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. And he said, again, they just had a miracle. We fed 5,000, but they said, where can we get enough bread in the wilderness to fill such a great multitude? And he asked them, how many loaves do we have? And they said, seven and a few little fish. And again, he commands the multitude to sit down on the ground. If I had been there for the first miracle, I'd already be sitting. And he took the seven loaves and the fish and gave thanks, broke them and gave them to the disciples and the disciples to the multitude so that they were all filled and took up seven large baskets full of fragments that were left. And those that ate that day were 4,000 men beside the women and children. Two miracles. <laughs> it probably fed over 10,000 people. Oh, Lord, where are those miracles today? Everything that drives us, everything that's in you, everything that you feel for the sick and the lost and the dying should be driving you. But you say, Richard, I don't move in signs and wonders like you do. I don't have the experiences that you talk about. And I ask you, what will it take for you to get it? How much time would it take on your knees? How much time would it take under your prayer shawl if you have one? How much time would it take bombarding heaven and crying out and pleading for the Holy Spirit to fill you and to use you? Whatever it takes is worth it. Be the persistent widow. Be the one that keeps banging on the door, crying out. Not for yourself, but to be used by him in these times. Because people are following counterfeit signs and wonders. They're following lying signs and wonders. Do you want to know why? Well, first of all, the sheep. Sheep are some of the dumbest animals on the face of the earth. But that's not the real reason. The real reason is they're looking for real miracles. They're looking for the reality of what they've heard in the Bible. And because they're sitting in dead churches and they don't see it and they don't experience it, they go looking for it wherever they can find it. More often than not, they find the counterfeit. And they are fooled and they are deceived. Matthew 18, verse 10, Take heed that no one despise one of these little ones, for I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. You want a mission statement? There it is, Matthew eighteen eleven. The Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep... And one of them goes astray. Does he not leave the 99 and go to the mountains to seek the one who is straying? And if he should find it assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more than over that than the sheep, that sheep over than the 99 who did not go astray. Even so, it's not the will of your Father who is in heaven that even one of these little ones should perish. Compassion inspires the effort to save the lost. And it may just be preaching the gospel without hitting them over the head with the Bible. It may be preaching the gospel by sharing your life and your experience and let them see it. It may just be treating them with love and compassion. It may be speaking into their life in a way that it bears fruit. Compassion will inspire you to do that. You know the other thing compassion will do? It'll inspire forgiveness. The brakes just got hit. Yep. Compassion inspires forgiveness. Oh, that's a tough one. It's a tough one for everybody. Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. This is Matthew eighteen twenty one. And Yeshua said, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. 
The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, who owned him a hundred denarii, and laid hands on him, and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but he went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt, which makes no sense to me. You pay, put somebody in debtor's prison to pay their debt, but they're in prison and they don't have, it just makes no sense. Anyway, verse 31. So when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. The master after called him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not have also had your compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father will also do to each of you, if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Forgiveness is tough. But compassion, if you see the other person in their bondage, if you see them in their dysfunction, if you see them at the way they are, you'll forgive them. And that doesn't mean you're condoning their behavior. But you'll forgive them and release them from bondage to you and let the Lord deal with it. One of the things I've always taught and always talked about is every miracle I've seen in the Bible was inspired by compassion. And without that compassion, there will be no miracles. Mark 1, verse 40, a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. And then Yeshua moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. You want to make a little note there next to verse 42? It wasn't the touch that healed him, it was what he said. I'll explain why he touched him and strictly warned him and sent him away, saying, See that you tell nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priests, and offer for your cleansing these things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely to spread the matter so that Yeshua could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places, and they came to him from every direction. See, he touched him, and then he spoke the healing. You see, uh, an infected person, leprous person, was considered unclean, and they were ostracized from their family and society. They were publicly humiliated. He had probably not been touched by anyone in a very long time, and his compassion moved him to touch him. That was love. And then he spoke the word and he was healed. See, the law says in Leviticus thirteen, forty-five and 46, The leper on whom the sore is, his clothes shall be torn, his head bare, he shall cover his mustache and cry, Unclean, unclean. He shall be unclean all the days he has the sore, he shall be unclean. He is unclean and he shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. But a loving God never said no to any child that came to him in faith who asked according to the promises, and he never will. Every case of unanswered prayer in Scripture was one which could not be granted for reasons I just gave you. If you go to him, you must believe. You must have faith. You must go to him with an open heart and cry out to him in complete faith. So the leper was healed not by the touch but by the spoken word. And he was moved to compassion. You know, there are 400 passages in the Bible admonishing us to care for the poor and the least of them. Matthew 10.8, one of the first things he told the disciples when he sent them out, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. So why do we hoard it? Why are we so afraid to give it out? Oh, I know. Uh, they're gonna. They're gonna reject me. They're gonna think I'm crazy. Who cares? 
I would rather the world think me crazy than disappoint the Lord. His willingness, his willingness openly to, to touch the ceremonially unclean leper indicated there's a new order in town, and that order is the kingdom of God where compassion rules the day. Compassion rules in the kingdom of God. The other thing that rules in the kingdom of God is the focus on salvation, reconciliation, and not the miracles. The miracles are an outgrowth of the compassion, of seeking the lost and the dying, of preaching the gospel, preaching the word, the miracles come. And it's funny, he says, don't tell anybody. And they go and tell everybody. And we see why. Because now there's crowds, they want to be healed. I think that's part of the reason people go from place to place. They hear that healings or miracles are happening somewhere and they drive hours away. I, I remember when we had the home church in Tallahassee. And Lakeland Church in Florida was having these healing miracles and signs and wonders and some interesting things going on. And we have the little home group, and I said, Lord, should we should we go down there? He said, no, why? I can do all of that right here in your family room. And you know what he did? He did. We laid hands on the sick, and they got healed. People got delivered. Some people just fell out in the middle of service. Didn't even talk to them, didn't touch them, didn't look at them. Boom, gone. Holy Spirit took care of them. They woke up. They'd been delivered of something and healed of something. Signs and wonders can happen anywhere we are. We don't have to chase them. We're called to do them. See, that's why I do what I do. That's why I'm doing this event. I'm believing to inspire people, inspire, fill them fire, to get them to go do it themselves where they are, to take that fire back with them. And let's start little fires everywhere we go. This is called Fire Fall. Let's do it. Let's get the fire to fall. Let's take it out to the people. Let's stop hiding in the rooms and the sanctuaries and the meeting rooms and let's do something with this. Let's become what we were designed to become, what the book of Acts was, driven by love, driven by compassion, and let's get it done. I want to see the king, don't you? There was a time in Mark ten six, and he's in Jericho. And he went out of Jericho. He's leaving with his disciples, and after he gets through the gate, there's a great multitude, of course, following him. And blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, is sitting on the side of the road begging. And when he hears that it's Jesus of Nazareth, he begins to cry out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Yeshua ben David, have mercy on me. And they warned him to be quiet, but he, quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And so Yeshua stood still and commanded him to be called. So now the same people that told him to be quiet said, Get up, be of good cheer, rise, he's calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he arose and came to Yeshua. And Yeshua answered and said, What do you want me to do for you? Of course he already knew what he wanted, but the man needed to speak it out in faith. And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, which means teacher, that I may receive my sight. And Yeshua said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Yeshua on the road. They told him to keep quiet. They, they reprimanded him and said, Stop. And you know what? He cried out all the more for mercy. He was desperate for an answer to his prayer. And when it says he cast aside his garment, he's in a hurry. He's got, he's anxious and he's joyful and he must get to Yeshua as quickly as possible. 
when we seek God with that earnestness, when we seek God with that passion, we find him without exception. And the earnestness of the blind man surmounted all difficulties. I can just imagine he knew by the sound of the voice where Yeshua was. And he threw that covering off and got up, staggering like a man, bumping off of people, heading towards where he knows Yeshua is. I'm sure some people tried to help him along the way, but Bartimaeus is in a hurry. He's got a miracle to get. No amount of difficulties is going to stop him. How many people today permit the smallest thing to hinder them in prayer and in obeying God? Look, I say to you, blessed is the person that will not tolerate one thing from hindering them from getting what the Heavenly Father has for them and getting answers to prayers that are in harmony with the promises and the gospel. And the more the man cried out, the more his faith grew, and the more he was hindered, the more he was helped in taking hold of what he was desiring. I do that every day. I stop wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, whether I'm laying down for a nap, I'm sitting here working, I'm out in the pool, I just begin to cry out, Lord, I'm knocking. I'm crying out for that provision. I'm here again, Lord. I'm crying out for what you promised. See, compassion will inspire action on the person receiving it. Compassion is combustible. It creates explosive action. That's what I'm talking about. I don't want religion. I I just don't. I don't want denominationalism. I don't want all the things that man has created. I really don't. I want to save the lost and the dying. I want to cast out the demons. I want to raise the dead. I want to do what he asked us to do. Go make disciples of all men. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Get them saved, healed, and delivered is the way I've been putting it for 30 years. That's all I want to do. I don't want to sit in a building. I don't want to have a building. I don't want to do all those things. I want to inspire others to go do it too, and I want us to be so annoying to the kingdom of darkness. I want us to just destroy and kick down the gates and set the captives free and rip open the prison doors. I want to be able to look at people in their eyes and say, be healed in the name of Yeshua, Yeshua, Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and watch it happen. That's what I drive. That's that's what drives me. I know what I was like. I know what I deserved. I know what I did. The enemy doesn't fail to remind me of it, but that's okay. I know that that person no longer exists. See, if you've got the time to pray, then pray. You have somebody that needs the salvation, then you bombard heaven for them. Ask the Lord to send somebody to them with a word. Send an angel to them. Wake them up in dreams and visions. Whatever it takes for them to make him Lord of their life. Whatever it takes for them to come to their senses. Whatever it takes for them to be broken free of the hold of the enemy. Yes, they may have hurt you. Yes, they may have done despicable things to you. And I'm not saying it condones what they did, but it helps you to get past it and in love. Cry out for them. That's what compassion does. That's what love does. I feel inspired to pray, and I barely got through eight pages of 12. So we'll have plenty more to pick up with next time. Because I think this is a topic we need to stay on. Because it's going to get tough, folks. The world hates you. These organizations hate you. The Christianity and the worship of Jesus of Nazareth, even the, the worship of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is being shut down. It's being forbidden. It's being blocked from social media. It's going to take compassion to keep you going. It's going to take that love that we talked about last week to keep you going. And so, Father, right now, in the name of Yeshua, your Son, we come to you, each and every one listening, all of our 
us as brothers and sisters, as your children, and we ask you to fill our hearts with your love and for that to inspire us to compassion for the sick, the lost, and the dying, to inspire us to compassion for those that have mistreated us or criticized us or abused us, to see them with your eyes and to intercede for them. Father, as a storm rumbles around me right now in the natural, I know that there's been one going on in the spirit for a while. We see it on the news. We see it on social media. We see it in our eyes every day. We know that the signs are there that you're getting ready to come back, but it's going to get worse before it gets better. So, Lord, please let your fire let your fire rise up in each and every one of us that are born again. And if anybody just happens to be listening and you're not the Lord of their life, I pray that they'll stop doing whatever they're doing right now and say, I want what he's talking about. I want that. Lord, I accept what you did for me on the cross. I accept your payment for my sin. I was a sinner, but you paid my debt, and I make you Lord of my life. I accept you as Lord and Savior of my life. I believe that you've arisen from the dead, that you sit at the right hand of the Father, and just like my brothers and sisters out there, my new brothers and sisters, I'm looking for you to come back too. And Father, for all that are listening that don't have the infilling of the Holy Spirit, don't have what I've been talking about. They've heard about it. They've seen it in others, but they've not experienced it. I pray right now in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the name above every name, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, with the manifestation of the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit. In Jesus' name. Now, Lord, we're we're asking you. We're coming together and we're touching and we're agreeing for the provision, the miraculous overflowing provision to take this fire and this love out into the world. To set the captives free. And to make straight the highway for the return of the king. We love you, Lord. We love you with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul and our spirit. And because of that, we love our neighbor as ourself. Holy Spirit, guide us. Show us what to do. Show us when to do it and who to do it for. And I just pray this, and I believe and receive it, and I touch and agree with each and every one of you, in Yeshua's name, amen. Folks, we have a job to do, and we have a reason to do it, and we have people that need it. So let's get it done. Let's get ready for the return of the king, and let's be a part of a great banquet. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. (music) 